0: in the next few moments as we attempt to look at these verses and just try to apply a few things. I pray you'd help us to maybe learn something, to be challenged. And Lord, uh, please help us to have a a good baptism tonight as well. Help everything to go as planned. And Father, uh, thank you for our church. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, we're there in uh, Genesis chapter number 12. We come to a very familiar story when Abraham goes down into Egypt for the first time. And um, look at verse 4, okay? The Bible says, So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham leaves Haran and moves toward Canaan. Uh, Canaan land, where God told them to go. Verse 5 says, And Abraham took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gone in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Alright? So verse 4, he leaves Haran. Verse 5, he gets to Canaan. Now, you know, I think, some, for some reason, as Christians, and, and I I thought this myself, you know, we think of Abraham going on, his, on this journey, and he's going You know, to a land that he knows not of. And he doesn't know where he's going. God just told him to go. And and for some reason, we think it's a long, drawn-out journey. But really, he left the Ur of Chaldeas just a few chapters, you know, in in chapter 11, towards the end of it. He gets to Haran, and at the beginning of verse 12, he leaves Haran, and all of a sudden, he's in Canaan land. So, um, you know, obviously, we understand those are just verses, but... It really wasn't that long of a journey. Now, it seems like it was a long journey because of things that Abraham does once he gets to Canaan. But I want you to make note of this. In verse 5, the Bible says, the last part of verse 5 says, Into the land of Canaan they came. So Abraham ended his journey. He got to Canaan land. Now, it's true that it took faith. And it's true that he did not know where he was going. But in all honesty, he probably got there relatively Quicker than what we seem to think. But look at verse 6. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, into the plain of Mori, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So he gets to this certain area in Canaan. And the Bible says that God, in verse 7, puts a stamp of approval uh, as to where Abraham is. And he says, Abraham, yep, yeah, this is the land that I promised you. This is the land that I told you I wanted you to go to. This is the land that, that, I, that I said I was going to give unto your seed. Good thing. Look at verse 8. And he removed from this unto a mountain... Of the east, on the east of Bethel. Now, from where Abraham was at this point to where Bethel was, he was going down, southward, into uh, what is known as uh, Judah. You know, later on it'll, it'll become Judah as, as the Bible story unfolds in, in the other books there. But he, and, and just, just follow my thought here for a little bit. God tells Abraham to get to Canaan. Abraham gets to Canaan. God says, good, that's why I want you. This is a land I promise you. And Abraham decides at that point to pick up and keep going down southward. And look, he goes to Bethel, which is not a bad place. Bethel is actually going to become a real good place. Uh, Jacob will meet with God there and all these things. He's still in Canaan. But if you notice, he continued traveling. He continued going after God had already put a stamp of approval of where where he was. The Bible says... He removed from then unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. And look what it says. It says that he called upon the name of the Lord. Now, this has nothing to do with sermon. I just want to bring your attention to when the Bible says that he called upon the name of the Lord. If you remember this morning when we were preaching about the repentance issue, we're looking at a lot of different passages in the Bible where they'll say the same things and maybe just change one word with the other. And I was showing you how that's a great way to study your Bible, to find two stories and see what what one says and what different you're the one or two quotes and I said this morning like Jesus a lot of times he'll quote the Old Testament and he'll quote the Old Testament but he'll change one word and you know people think oh you know that's a mistake that's not a mistake Jesus changes one word in order to show you what that word says for example um, you know there's a passage where it talks about Mary being with child and then the exact same thing is quoted as her being as as the fact that she conceives what does that tell us when you conceive you're with child okay you know people tell you know the abortion crowd will tell you oh when you conceive that's not a child according to the Bible it is So that's not a misquote in the Bible. Jesus does those things on purpose. And God does those things on purpose. So, something to bring your attention to, and like I said, nothing has to do with sermon, but the Bible says that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Now that reminds me of a very famous verse in Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are those. I was just out so many... uh, And yesterday, I was talking to a guy, and he said, well, you know, I've been taught my whole life that people got saved in the Old Testament different than they got saved in the New Testament. I took him to Hebrews 11, and we were going through all those verses and showing, hey, the Bible says that Abel got saved by faith, and Abraham got saved by faith, and Moses got saved by faith, and look, and and Jacob was saved by faith, or, you know, had faith working in his life. So, you can't get more Old Testament than that. But here's just another proof. The Bible says that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord, and Romans 10.13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, you will see that people in the Old Testament got saved the exact same way as people in the New Testament, by calling upon the name of the Lord. But look at verse 29. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. God already told you, or told Abraham, in verse 7 of chapter 12, that Abraham got to the right place. Because you remember, Abraham didn't know where he was going. When he left Canaan, God just said, go. He didn't know what, where he was going. God said, pack up your bags and go. And in verse 7, he gets to Canaan, and God appears to him and says, Hey, this is it. This is the land that I was going to give you. And then for whatever reason, Abraham decides to just move on southward, still in Canaan land. And he makes an altar unto the Lord, and he calls upon the Lord, All good things. But then for whatever reason, the Bible says that he just decides to continue going on still toward the south. Do you see that? So he's going down even further into the south. Now look at, look at verse uh, 10. The Bible says, and there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. The point I'm trying to make to you tonight, and one of the points that we're looking at tonight, is this. Okay, there was. I want you know. I don't have one of our, we, we don't have screens in our church, you know. But just envision that. Can- you know, the, the land of Canaan as a country. Okay, and in this story, we're just going to use the land of Canaan as applying it as that's the will of God. Okay, that's where God wants. That's where God wanted Abraham. All right. So Canaan is this country. Obviously, Israel is this country. And Abraham came down, he, you know, he started the Earth of went down to Haram, traveled down into Canaan, he gets to Canaan, God says, good, that's where I want you to be. He decides to go down a little further, still in Canaan land, he built an altar, but then decides to continue to come down even further, southward, and he eventually, see... When you go down south into Egypt, eventually you're going to get to Egypt, alright? From Canaan, from Israel. Now, Egypt in the Bible always represents sin, it always represents the world. And what Abraham is doing here, and what, I, and what the illustration is here, that Abraham is coming down to the border, and he's coming down, because see, Egypt represents the world. Now, God wanted Abraham here, the world is here. And for whatever reason, Abraham decides he's going to pitch his tent right here. Now, here's the problem. You say, well, was Abraham in sin? No, he was not. Was he still in Canaan land? Yes, he was. Then what's the problem? Here's the problem. When you get close to the edge, alright? Because Egypt represents what? The world. When you get close to the edge, it doesn't take much to go over the edge. Does that make sense? I've heard this quote before and I I liked it. Uh, um, I've heard people say, a tree will fall in the direction that it is leaning. You know what I'm talking about? You ever drive down the street, you know, down, down like a highway where there's a lot of trees, you know, and, and a tree will be leaning towards the highway? Well, eventually that tree's going to fall on the highway. A tree will fall the way it's leaning. And here's the problem with Abraham. He got to Canaan land and God said, good. He went down a little further in Canaan land and he built an altar. He decided to go down further in Canaan land and decided to just get right close there to Egypt. Right close there to uh, the world and right, right, just be right there on the edge. Now, here's the problem. I do not believe Abraham intention to go down to Egypt. I don't believe Abraham had any intention to go down and leave the will of God, and leave the the, the Canaanite. But here's the problem. A famine came. And when the famine came, it was easy to, to fall into Egypt because he was already leaning that way. Abraham was already leaning towards the world so it was easy to fall right through. And, the, the, and that's... The type of Christianity, you see, before you get to our neighbor, that's the type of Christianity we have today. We have a type of Christianity where people say, you know, I, I, I'm just going to live right on the edge. I'm just going to live right, you know, if the world is here, and the will of God is here, I'm going to just be right there. Right on the fence. You know, I, I heard this, um, I heard this story, and you know, it's not a Bible, but it's a, it's a funny story. Uh, a, a story that they're, they're, the whole entire world was gathered you know together on this hill and there was a fence dividing that hill and those who were going to serve Jesus Christ were on one side of that fence and those who were going to serve Satan and the world were on the other side of the fence and those who and there was those who were just riding the fence just right on that fence, and they were saying, I don't want to I don't want to serve uh, Jesus Christ, and I don't really want to serve the world, I just kind of want to be on both sides, and they were just right on that fence, and Jesus came and he said, hey, you know, everybody who's going to uh, serve me, come with me, serve so me, came, and the person on the fence said, well, I'm not serving the devil, but I'm not serving God, you know, I'm just right on the fence, and Satan came and took all those people on the other side and said, hey, you're serving me, come with me, and that guy just stood there on that fence, and the, and the devil said, hey, why don't you come with me, and, and, and come work with me, because you're not going with with Jesus, and he said, oh no, 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 I'm on the fence, you know, I, I'm not with you and I'm not with him, I'm just, I'm going to live right here, I'm just going to, one, one foot in the world and one foot with God, I'm just on the fence and, and, and the devil said to him, oh, what you don't understand is this, I own the fence <laughs> and I thought that was a good story, but the thing is, a Christian who decides to live right on the edge who says, I'm just going to live right on the on the edge, if, if Canaan is here and Egypt is here, I'm going to pitch my tent right here, a Christian who lives that way what they don't know is that they're already living in the they're already living in Egypt. And, and what Abraham did is he kept traveling southward, and he kept traveling southward, and he kept traveling southward. And I just want to make a, a plea to you tonight. If, if the will of God is this, just put yourself right smack down in the middle of it. Because if you're right in the middle, if you fall, you're still in the will of God. But when you're on the edge, when you fall, you end up in Egypt. And Abraham was in Egypt. and he, And I'm sure he had no intention. But here's what happened. A famine came. And you don't know what trial is going to come in your life. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know what's going to go on in your life that's going to make you fall into Egypt. So that's point number one is that he kept going down. He kept going downward and that was a mistake on Abraham's part. Because here's the thing. Was it a sin for Abraham to go down southward? No, it was not. In fact, where he was going down to Judah eventually became one of the strongest, most fundamental parts of Israel. But here's the difference. Abraham was one man with one wife with a nephew. He had his servants yet, but it was just one family. Eventually Israel would become a nation of millions of people. okay? Those people would have the resources, those people would have the, the ability to live in that southward land without having to go into Egypt because of him. If you remember Jacob when he had 70 souls, they even went into Egypt because of him. But once they're a full developed nation, they won't have to go into Egypt. But see, Abraham, you're not strong enough to not go into Egypt right now. And what we got to understand is this. Sometimes in our Christian life, you know, people, people say, Oh, well, well, so-and-so is strong enough, and so-and-so is mature enough, and so-and-so, they're doing this. But here's what you don't understand. You're not so-and-so. You're not the Judah of David. You're not the Judah of Solomon. You're just one person, stay where you're at, God told you, that's where I want you to be, why are you going down southward, but he kept going down southward, he kept going down southward, eventually found himself in Egypt, Abraham went down into Egypt, Bible says in verse 10, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt, to, to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land, he did not stay put where God was satisfied where he was, now at first was he out of the will of God, no he wasn't, but eventually he got there. You know, some of you need to just decide that Verity Baptist Church and fundamentalism and Christianity and the King James Bible and soul winning and the Word of God is the will of God where God wants you and stop going down to the edge and trying to decide, well, can I dabble with this and can I dabble with that? Can I be here and can I be there? Can I, I, I want to be in, in God's will, but I don't want to be right in the center of God's will. I want to just kind of travel down towards the edge of the world. you got to just decide, I'm going to be right smack down in the middle of it, and when I'm big enough and large enough and grown but for now, I'm going to put myself in the center. And that's what Abraham would have done. And he would have, he, he would have had a better life if he would have done that. How did Abraham end up in Egypt from, promise, from the promised land? Slowly. He was in Canaan land. He went, you know, in, in, in Shechem that, He went down to Bethel. He went from Bethel even more south. And then a famine hit and he was in Egypt land. Did he just wake up in Egypt land? Did he, did, did the Lord appeared to him one day, said, Abraham, you're doing right. And then the next day, here was an Egypt land. Are you going to go from Verity Baptist Church, you know, soul winning, reading your Bible, praying, doing nine chapters a day, memorizing the Bible, uh, doing all those things that like got, fasting, and then the next day just wake up and be a drunk, a druggie, you know, in, in the gangs, in prison. You're, no. How do you get to Egypt? Slowly. Just taking one step at a time. One trip downward. Just getting one step closer to the world. And that's how Abraham did it. And you know, we ought to. A... Go with me real quick. We're going to come right back to, to Genesis 12. But go with me to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 10, and look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 10, and verse 23. You know, we, we live in a society, we live in a world where Christians are just trying to find, well, how close can I get? How, how close can I be to Egypt without actually being in Egypt? And here's what they're really saying. How close can I get to sin without actually being in sin? And look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And look at verse 23. The Bible says, this is what Paul said. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient means convenient or the best thing. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. He said, all these things do not build me up. Here's, here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I am saved. I have eternal life. I have eternal security. He's saying what that means is that everything is lawful for me. He said I can dabble in any sin. I can dabble in anything. I can do whatever I want and it'll be lawful for me because I will not lose my salvation. But here's what he was saying He said, but not everything is expedient. Not everything edifies not. And I heard somebody say this. I thought it was a good quote too. Let me say, you know, in the Christian life, when you're trying to choose the high road in the Christian life, you are not to choose between the good and the bad. See, people try to decide, well, what is sin and what is not? Can I do this? Is that a sin? No? Okay. You know, and and people will say that, you know, I'll I'll, I'll preach a sermon about the length of of your hair and how the Bible says that a woman should have long hair and a man should have short hair. And, and, And every time I'll say something like that, somebody will come up to me at some point and say, well, how long is long hair? And to me, I'm asking, well, why does it matter? You're trying to see, and here's the thing: they're trying to just get right there. You know, well, how long is long hair? You know, how, how many inches exactly? How many centimeters exactly? And you know, and that's how these, and that is the wrong type of Christianity. That is the type of Christianity that tries to live right by Egypt. You know, same thing. We, we preach a sermon about dress standards. And we'll preach a sermon about how women ought to wear dresses and skirts. And that's what the Bible says according to Leviticus. Preach a whole sermon on that. I'll give you the CD if you want to. And, and we preach about how the book of Isaiah says that the thigh is, is your nakedness. And we'll preach about how a woman ought to cover her thigh and a man should cover her thigh. And that means no skirts. That means no, none of those short shorts. And none of that stuff. And, and, and somebody will come up to me and say, well, how, how long does my skirt have to be? And see, if somebody asked me that question to me, it's like, well, you have the wrong attitude. You have the wrong mentality. You're trying, you know, well, how, does that have to be right? you know, if you, if, if you look at the way my wife dresses, first of all, you've never seen her wear a pair of pants. But secondly, you've never seen her wear pants, I mean, wear a skirt or a dress that'll come anywhere near her thigh. Say, well, could they be right at the knee length? Well, yeah, they could be. But why are you just trying to live a life? Why are you trying to say, well, is this a sin in my life? You know, you should... You ought not live your life trying to decide is this a sin, is that not a sin? Am I not to do this? Am I look? You can do all of it. All of it is lawful. But why don't you decide? I'm not going to choose between the sin and what's good. I'm not going to decide between bad and good. I'm going to try to decide between good and better. What is the best thing I could be doing in my life? Because here's the problem. You know, let's go back to the other thing. Here's a problem with a, a, a skirt that goes right to your knee. You, know, you may be modest while you're standing up, but as soon as you sit down, that skirt's going to ride up, and all of a sudden your thighs exposed. So. Why try to live right at that edge? Why not just say, well, you know, as, I like what my wife says, I'm just going to buy skirts that go down to my ankle, mid-calf. You know, because she's just going to live, you know, and here's, a, here's, a, here's, here's your choice. You can choose to live right where, you know, well, here's Egypt, Here's the world, I'm going to put myself right here. Or you can just decide, you know what, I'm just going to put myself in the center and just stay away from all of it. Why does it matter? You know, if you got to ask the question as a man, well, is this too long? Just cut your hair. If you got to ask that question, it's too long. You think anybody's going to look at my hair tonight and say, well, is that too long? Now, if you would have seen me three days ago before I got a haircut. No, nah, I'm just joking. I, I went, I don't know why, I went like three weeks without I got a haircut because we're so busy. And the thing with my hair is that it doesn't grow long. It just grows out like puffy, like really puffy. It looks like an afro. So I look really bad. My sister was making fun of me. But she's obviously never seen her hair. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But um, anyway. um, You know, if you got to ask that question, well, how long is long? You know, how long does a skirt have to be? It's like, you know, just stop living right on the edge. You know, all things are lawful. Do whatever you want. But not everything is expedient. Not everything edifies now. But let's look at, uh, let's look at what... He did there, and look at verse 11. We're almost done. I'm not going to preach that because we got things to do tonight. But look at verse 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, that when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister." that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. You know, Abraham, when he went down to Egypt, he lied about the fact that he... Now, Sarai was his half-sister. But the Bible teaches us that half a truth is still a lie. Because, you know, Satan said half a truth to Eve at the, at the garden. You no, know, half of what he was saying was true. They would know the difference, you know, between good and evil. But he said, You're going to die. And the Bible says, Jesus said that everything Satan says is a lie. Because he's the father of it. So when Satan said half a lie, God says everything he says is a lie. It was all a lie. So Abraham's saying half a lie, half truth, but it's just a lie. Okay? But here's why he's lying: because he's in fear. He's living his life in fear. And you know, and I've said this before, so I won't deal too much on it, but when you live a life of fear, you're not in the will of God, okay? In the Bible, fear is always referred to as something negative, okay? The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So, in the Bible, and do a study of it, every time you find the word fear in the Bible, it's always a negative thing, unless the only time it's not is when you're specifically fearing the Lord but Abraham is living in fear here and he doesn't have to live in fear because he has the promises of God but he's not trusting God and here's, here's the other point is a Christian will go down into Egypt when they do not trust God when they do not put their faith in God you say, well how is Abraham not showing faith? okay, well, are the thing: a famine came Abraham got scared he said, my family and I are going to die let's go down into Egypt because Egypt has food now let me ask you a few questions Abraham, did God tell you to go to Egypt? The answer is no. In fact, later on, God will specifically command them to not go down into Egypt. So Egypt is a bad place. Did God, Abraham, tell you that he was going to give you a seed? That he was going to give you a son? That he was going to give you an inheritance? Yes, we spent a whole sermon on that a couple weeks ago. Okay, Abraham, do you have that son? No, then what are you worried about? If God has promised you a son, Abraham, if God has made a promise to you, and He said, I'm going to give you this, and I haven't given it to you yet, then you're not going to die. Look, a semi could hit you, a plane could fall in the sky, and you're going to live. If God promises it to you, He's going to do it. But here's what we do as Christians. You know what's the funny thing about Abraham? If Abraham had the faith to leave his family, he had the faith to leave his home, he had the faith to quit his job, he had the faith to leave everything he knew, everything he owned, everyone he, everything he called home, to go to a country that he did not know, to a land that he did not know where he was going, he had all that faith. But then when a famine comes, he has to go down to Egypt. And you know, we as Christians, we'll have our, you know, because what's the first step of becoming a Christian? Putting your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. We'll put the faith in Jesus Christ that He's going to save our soul from hell. Think about this for a second. You will have faith in Jesus Christ that He's going to save your soul from hell for eternity. But when it comes to paying the mortgage, then we lapse in faith and we go to each. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that kind of... I mean, don't you think, if we're, you know, when, when do you think we'd have more faith that God can help me pay my bills? So, you know, but here's what a Christian will do. We'll, 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 we'll work during a church service. Well, i got to pay my bills. Why don't you just have faith that God is going to pay your bills and that God is going to take care of you and make sure you're okay. Look, if you're you're not going to work because you're going to church, I promise you, God is going to take care of you if you're doing it right. But see, we'll, we'll put all our faith in Jesus Christ to save our souls and praise the Lord for it, but then we'll lapse in these little things. I mean, could God feed Abraham? Of course God could feed Abraham. But not only that, Let's look at the consequences of him going down to Egypt. Look at verse 14. Uh, Go back to Genesis 12 and look at verse 14. Genesis 12 and verse 14. The Bible says, And it came to pass, that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Now think about this, Abram. You know, I, I think this is funny. Pharaoh takes Abraham's wife, and Abraham doesn't say, wait, 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 that's actually my wife, I was lying. He doesn't say that. He lets her take it. Which to me is just kind of weird. But the Bible says in verse 17, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh. So God steps in, He sends a plague to Pharaoh, and, um, and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham, and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? And why saidest thou, she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, uh, thy wife, take her, uh, go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. And Abraham goes back to Canaan. Now, if you just look at this story, and don't really look at it in the context of the entire book of Genesis, which we'll get to eventually, you know, when we get to those passages, you would think, you know, no harm, no foul. Now, first of all, you got to think about this. I mean, just think about this. Pharaoh almost took Abraham's wife. Okay? There's a few things you got to think about. First of all, why is Pharaoh, this unsaved, godless heathen, have higher standards of morality and and ethics than Abraham? I mean, when Pharaoh finds out that, he's like, Why have you done this to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? You know, he's like upset about it. But then Abraham's just like, you know... I don't know, I just lied about it. You know, and here's the sad thing, is that many times, the world will have just higher ethics than, than Christians, and that's not a good thing. But but think about a few things. What if, what if God wouldn't have plagued Pharaoh? And Pharaoh would have married Abraham's wife. I mean, do you think that would have been a huge mistake? That Sarah, the wife of the patriarch Abraham, who God promised that, through the seed of Abraham, through specifically Sarah's womb, that He would bless the world that Isaac, the son of promise, would be born and that Jesus Christ would be born. Do you think it might have just thrown a little, you know, just a wrench in the whole thing if Sarah would have been married to Pharaoh also? I mean, do you think that would have been been a little awkward? What about this? What if Sarah would have got pregnant by Pharaoh? Do you think that would have messed things up? See, here's what you don't realize. When you go down to Egypt... You just don't realize the danger you're putting yourself into and the things you, that you might mess up, okay? Now, by the grace of God, the Bible says that the Lord played, I mean, God Himself stepped in. He played Pharaoh and He saved him and He helped him, okay? And, and we would read the story and we would say, well, no harm, no foul. You know, just another episode in the life of Abraham. He went back to Canaan and, and, and everything was fine. But the thing is that everything wasn't fine. And his trip to Egypt ended up ruining some people's lives anyway. Let me show you. Go with me to chapter number 13 in Genesis. Chapter number 13, and look at verse 10. The Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes. Now, just so you know, eventually they go back to Canaan. Lot's family starts growing, his herdsmen start growing, Abraham's family starts growing, his herdsmen start growing. Their herdsmen are arguing together, and Abraham and Lot get together and say, okay, you know, we gotta get separated here, we can't live in the same plain. And Abraham says to Lot, if you go that way, I'll go this way. If you go this way, I'll go that way. So in verse 10, says, "And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So, the Bible says he left his tonight and he's looking towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah a good, a good place or a bad place? Obviously it's a bad place. And the Bible says that he looks over there and he saw the, the, the plains of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So he said this was before God destroyed that land. And look at what it says. Even as the garden of the Lord. And, and here's the interesting part. Like the land of Egypt. As thou comest unto Zohar. Okay, so Lot looks at the plains of Jordan, looks at Sodom and Gomorrah, looks at its well watered, it's plush, and here's what Lot thinks. Man, that looks like Egypt. Now I gotta ask this question, Lot, how do you know what Egypt looks like? I'll tell you how Lot knows what Egypt looks like, because Abraham took Lot to Abraham. To to Egypt. So, what was an unintended consequence of Abraham's little journey down to Egypt? Abraham's lapse of faith and took him down to Egypt. Well, Lot got a taste for Egypt. God Lot now knew what Egypt looked like, and when he looked at Sodom, he said, Man, that looks just like Egypt. And and later we'll see that Lot is going to pitch his tent towards Sodom, and eventually he'll be in Sodom, and eventually God will destroy Sodom. Lot will come out, and because of that, his daughters will think that the whole world's destroyed, you know, because only God just destroys Sodom those more whole world and they'll have incest with their father and they'll out of those loins will come two nations that will will be in constant battle against Israel which is Abraham's descendants oh but no harm no foul right I mean, Abraham went back to Canaan. just another episode, nothing happened, but here's an unintended consequence, Uh, because how did Lot know? Lot never been to Egypt, we don't have any other account that Lot ever went to Egypt other than in this story, when Abraham went down and took Lot with him, and Lot got to look at Egypt, he got to see what Egypt was like, and when Lot had to make his own choice, he decided, I'm going to go with the place that looks like Egypt. Let me tell you something, when we decide, you know, especially as parents, or especially as leaders, or whatever, when we decide to go down to Egypt, those who follow, Behind us will get a taste for that. And Egypt said, that's just like Egypt. That's what Lot said. How do you know that? But it gets worse. Look at verse. Look at Genesis 16. Look at verse 1. I'm not going to preach very long because we got a baptism. We're almost done, I promise. Look at Genesis 16:1. 1. Genesis 16.1. If you remember, well, let's just read the verse. We'll talk about it. Genesis 16:1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife bear him no children. And she had an handmaid. Look what it says. An Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. If you remember the story of Abraham, God promised them a son. Sarah starts getting impatient with God's timetable. And Sarah decides that she's going to take her handmaid, and she's going to give her to Abraham to marry and Abraham is going to have a son with her, and he's going to, and that's going to be Sarah's son. Now, was that the will of God? No. Who was that son? His name was Ishmael. Who, who did Ishmael father? I'll, give, I'll let you know, if you don't know this, the descendants of Ishmael is modern day Islam. Okay? Abraham's little journey down to Egypt cost us the wonderful blessings that the nation of Islam and the religion of Islam has brought on our world today and what are those blessings oh right there are none <laughs> you know Islam is not a good place Islam is a horrible you know people like oh but we got look Islam would want to kill you know if the people actually study the Quran and study Islam and what they will kill you for believing in Jesus Christ and they, they reject Jesus Christ they reject the God of the Bible they have their own God who's not the God of the Bible and and, and that nation has With Abraham and his seed, for generations to come, even to this day, they're fighting in that land. Let me tell you something, it all came about because when Abraham went down to Egypt, Sarah picked up a handmaid from Egypt, brought her back, her name was Hagar, and he ended up having Ishmael with her. An unintended consequence. I'm just trying to make this point to you. When you live in the edge of Canaan and Egypt... When you're living just in the will of God and the world, and you decide to go down into Egypt, there will be unintended consequences. There will be things that will happen because there will be a fruit of that. And I'm telling you something right now. Abraham, just stay in the center. Just stay, stay where you're supposed to be. The southern part of Israel is meant for Abraham. But not until he's a great nation. He can't fill it right now. Abraham would have helped Lot, Abraham would have helped himself. Abraham would have not would have helped all of us to not have to deal with Islam and with all the, the different you know all the Philistine and all the different battles that they had with the children of Israel there because of the descendant of Ishmael. He would have helped everybody out if he would have just stayed in Egypt. But here's the thing: he wanted to live right on the edge. And if you're here tonight and, and you're that type of Christian who says, Well, I you know, I want to do the will of God, but I don't want to. Do all of them. You know, I just want to do the bare minimum. I just want to be right there. I just want to be, you know, do I have to come to all three services? Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday Do I have to go? So, do I really have to read nine chapters a day? Do I really, you know, if you have that kind of attitude, you're already leaning towards Egypt. All it takes is one famine. All it takes is one trial. All it takes is one test. All it takes is one event to happen. And the way you're leaning, that's how you're going to fall. And if you're leaning towards Egypt, that's where you're going to fall. And you say, well, I might come up, come back out of Egypt. And it not affect me. That's what Abraham thought. But it affected Lot. But Hagar came back with them. And there will be unintended consequences. So here's a challenge for tonight. Take a side. Just pick a side. Just decide. I'm either going to live for God, or I'm going to live for the world, I'm going to quit riding the fence, I'm going to quit riding, I'm going to quit living the, my life just right on the edge there. I'm just going to decide who am I going to serve and just go with it and fight with it and just be with it and Abraham, just stay with God. If God already put His stamp of approval there, then just stay there. If God has put a stamp of approval here, if God has put a stamp of approval on, on the Christian life at Verity Baptist Church, the King James Bible, soul winning, and all those things that come with, with fundamentalism or whatever we preach from this Bible, if God has put a stamp of approval there, which he has it's called this book. Then why don't you shine? I'm gonna stay right there, and I'm just gonna live right in the center. And I'm gonna quit trying to, because here's the thing: you go down southward slowly, southward slowly, southward. Slowly. Before you know it, you're in Egypt, and 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 you're looking around thinking, I don't even know how I got here. Because I'm sure Abraham had no intention of going to Egypt, but he ended up there, and he paid dearly for it. So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer, Dear me Father. We love you.